Welcome to 5 Minutes of Courage with Maggie Arndt. This podcast focuses on God's Word, the Bible, and how much God loves you. Our goal is to show you throughout Scripture how loved and valued you are by the God of the universe. 5 Minutes is all you need to be filled with hope, joy, purpose, and yes, courage. Now here's your host, Maggie Arndt. everybody welcome back to five minutes of courage with me maggie if you're watching me today instead of just listening on a podcast you can see i do have a handy dandy new microphone compliments of my very sweet husband who is very supportive of this podcast but we thought maybe the sound quality would be better if you could hear me here so hopefully if you are one who loves to give feedback Give me some feedback. Can you hear me better? Do you feel like you're hearing me more clearly? I sure hope so. We are finding ourselves today in the Gospel of John in the sixth chapter, and we are going to take a look at verses 1 through 22, and it's another adventure of Jesus who is teaching people, and the Gospel says that there are just multitudes of people who continue to follow Jesus because they're seeing all these really cool things that he's doing, And he's also teaching us. The book of Luke tells us that Jesus was teaching the multitude, which is something that John doesn't mention, although John mentions that it's Passover, which would explain why there's so many of them. So if you're not Jewish by heritage or culture, Passover heralds back to the association with the book of Exodus, when God's people were able to flee from um, from the Egyptians, it's it's a very important holiday and ritual in the Jewish tradition. Passover is a big deal, and so that's why there's going to be a ton of people because they are all following this tradition of of the Exodus of of going to Jerusalem for Passover, which leads us to a really interesting thing. If you think about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we have set up camp for the last six chapters. A lot of people are confused that it's the same story with different details. And I would like you to be encouraged to think of it as God's story for different humans telling the story. So, of course, there are going to be details and verbiage that are slightly different. And it doesn't speak to the infallibility or the inerrancy of the canon itself. But what it speaks to is human verbiage, human speaking, human ways of conveying information. And so Luke is the one who typically gives us a lot of detail. He was a physician, and so he's very detail-oriented, whereas John maybe didn't bother to mention that Jesus was teaching those people, but it matters not. The reason that he was teaching them was Passover, which Luke didn't mention. So we find ourselves with Jesus near the Sea of Galilee, with a whole bunch of people and it implies that they've kind of been together a long time because all of a sudden it's becoming dusk and these people are going to be hungry right and if you've listened to five minutes of courage for the last almost year i know that at some point out of one of the four gospels i did talk about jesus feeding the five thousand so this is not a new story really to any of us and anyone who's grown up in church has probably heard the story but let's take it apart a little differently this time so jesus goes to philip and he asks him the question of well where should we buy bread so that we can feed these people and you have to just love philip he's very detail oriented we each have our gifts 
and numbers and details are Philip's gift. And Jesus already knew what he was going to do because he's Jesus. He knows things. But he said this to kind of test Philip. What do you think, Philip, that I can do? Well, Philip starts doing the math. Okay, uh, 200 denarii worth of bread is not going to be sufficient. Even if we had the money, it's going to be impossible to go buy enough bread to feed all these people. See, he's doing the mental math kind of out loud, right? Maybe if he had a little bit more knowledge of who he was talking to or had a little more faith, he could have said, well, master, I don't know what we're going to do, but you are greater than Moses. I've seen you do amazing things. What do you think we should do? But instead, he's going to try to calculate it out. And what I'd like you to do is just kind of relate that to your own life. Do you look at something very, very small and think, I've got a way, I have to, to problem solve a way to figure this out myself? Or can you take that same small solution and take it to God and say, I know that you can do exceedingly abundantly more than anything my mind could, get, could ever come up with. But instead, Philip pulls in Andrew. And he's like, all right, what, what are we going to do here, Andrew? And Andrew notices that there's a boy. In chapter 9, he says there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Well, let's break down what that really was. First of all, barley was pretty much considered animal food. So it means whoever this boy is with the sack lunch, he's probably kind of poor. In fact, there um, is an ancient saying that says, uh, one man says there's a fine crop of barley and another man said, tell that to the horses and donkeys. So it, barley is not a very coveted, delicious food. It's not like he has a sleeve of Oreos. He basically has farm animal food. Okay, so what are we going to do with that? And then he also has two small fish. Well, the other gospel writers use the word ichthys, which just means fish. But John is a little more specific. He uses the Greek word osparia, which means they were two salted fish, but they were tiny. So if, if you're from the upper Midwest and you're familiar with pickled herring, this is much more like what it was like. These are like tiny salted fish that you'd put on a cracker. This is not a big slab of salmon. There isn't much to work with. But again, the good news, God doesn't need any help. He, and he often deliberately restrains his work until he has our participation. So at this point he has, he has the participation, but he's in no hurry. And he doesn't, in case you're just visually picturing this, he does not all of a sudden poof and then there's 22 fish. He breaks it and as he breaks it, the pieces multiply. And interestingly enough, as it is being handed out by the disciples to the listeners, the, the people who are the recipients of the food aren't even realizing they're eating miracle food. They don't even recognize this extravagant meal that is being performed right before their very eyes. And there was not only enough for everybody, there were extras. There were 12 extra baskets filled with loaves and fishes, and everyone walked away satisfied. Well, what do people do when they see something amazing like this, even if they weren't privy to the fact that it was a miracle? This man taught them. They had seen him perform miracles, and now he fed well, fed him, fed them. Well, now they wanted to make him their king. 
that seems to be what we do, right? Someone really awesome comes along and we want them to be the king. And maybe it was because they were thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could get this guy on our side and we could drive out the Romans? Because Romans and Jews, not friends. We did this in America with George Washington, right? He helps lead the Revolutionary War. And what do we want to do? We want to make him a king. Well, we just ran away from a king. Luckily, George Washington was smart enough to realize that was a bad idea. And so did Jesus. He wanted no parts of their earthly acclaim. He did not want to be their king. Thank you very much. And he wasn't really that impressed by the seduction of this crowd. However, his disciples were. They thought following a king would be pretty cool. And Jesus knew that about them. So what he did was he said, you know what, guys, we're done here. I need you to get in your boat. Actually, he compelled them. The Greek word to, for that was anankazo. He compelled them. He didn't just suggest they get in their boat. He compelled them, please get in your boat and start rowing. And while you do that, I am going to take time to be with the Father because I don't want to be the king. And my eyes are not on earthly things like the Lady Gaga song, I live for the applause. That's totally the opposite of what Jesus is saying here. I don't live for earthly applause I need some time with my father and I need you to get in the boat because you're getting a little too excited with this whole king thing. And even though it was dark, most of the disciples were fishermen. Many of them were. And so they were okay with this. And so they start rowing. Jesus goes up into the mountain and he starts to pray. And the wind is blowing. And just geographically, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, the Sea of Galilee is 600 feet below sea level. So it's in this like this little cup shape and it gets very 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 windy and actually in the book of Matthew we already know that this is not Jesus's first storm on the Sea of Galilee because the last time he was on the boat and he was sleeping and they woke him up well this time he's on the mountain but you know what we know about God he never closes his eyes and maybe that's figuratively because literally Jesus would have needed to sleep but he still was able to keep an eye on the disciples as they're out in the Sea of Galilee. He sees that they're afraid. And so what does he do? He walks out to the boat. Jesus walks on water. And of course, his disciples were afraid, but he said, it is I. Do not be afraid. He announced his presence and that was enough. And then he was able to safely lead the boat across the Sea of Galilee to its final destination, which is where we will stop for today. So if you are somewhat of a podcast junkie like myself, if you like what you're hearing here on 5 Minutes of Courage, I do have a fun little shout out. I have my new friends, Bethany and Jonathan, and they have their own podcast called Keep the Conversation Going. And you can find it on any of the same outlets that you find us on 5 Minutes of Courage, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and they talk about everything. They talk about all the things. They talk about hard stuff, fun stuff, and yes, of course, my favorite, all the Jesus stuff. So if you're looking for a fun new podcast to listen to, keep the, the conversation going with my friends, Bethany and Jonathan. Join me right back here tomorrow where we will pick up as Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. Be well. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage. Then share it with all your friends. 
If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to 5minutesofcourage.com. That's the number five and you can connect with me there.